All right, as we get ready to give, I'm going to invite Pastor Emily up to the stage. We got some, some partying to do real quick before we get into the word. Everybody get up for Pastor Emily and her beautiful kids. Hello, good afternoon. Dominic's like, oh no, she's got the mic. I have only good stories to tell. I'm just kidding. But if you could come up here, Dominic. He has a birthday this Friday. (laughs) He will be 31. And we just wanted to say how much we love you and appreciate you. You know, I get the privilege of seeing all behind the scenes at home. And he's the real deal. He loves Jesus with all of his heart, loves us and the kids. And so we just want to celebrate you. So on the count of three, let's all sing happy birthday. Ready? One, two, three. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday, dear Dominic. Happy birthday to you. Wow. Thank you all so much. Love you. Oh, awesome. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Oh, nice. Thank you all so much. Oh, I love you guys so much. Thank you. Appreciate y'all. Oh, man. All right. Take that with you. Yeah. Thanks, buddy. Mwah. All right. You going to help? You going to preach with me today? Yeah? You guys down? <laughs> thank you, guys. Oh, thank you guys so much. I appreciate y'all. Hey, give it up for our CNC family. Come on. You guys are amazing. I love you guys so much. Thank you so much. I, I feel so celebrated and appreciated. But I'm, I'm ready to preach the word today. I, you know, I believe that the Lord gave me a word that, you know, every once in a while you come into church and you get encouraged. Who likes to be encouraged when you're at church, right? That's good, right? It's good to feel good and be encouraged. But sometimes, how many know that you need to come to church, you need to be challenged just a little bit, okay? So can I challenge you guys to this afternoon a little bit, okay? See, it's not as enthusiastic as the encouragement. But I, I get it, I get it. Um, but no, I, I really believe that, you know, there's such freedom in the house already. You know, even what the Lord has been doing in worship, that there's freedom in the room. And I believe truly this, church, that if we can understand what the Lord's calling us as, as Christians, as believers, we can understand what he's doing, man, I truly believe that the Lord has freedom for his people. And, and my heart is burdened, burdened with people that are functioning as Christians who are abound in sin. So today the title of my message is this, Sanctify Me. Come on, say it, Sanctify Me. Is that anybody's prayer in this room today? Come on, Sanctify Me, God. Sanctify Me, purify my heart. We're going to talk about it. Do me a favor, if you have your Bible, let's go to Philippians. We're going to go to chapter 2, verse 12. Anybody got their paper Bible? Come on, wave it at me. Paper Bibles? Yeah, let's go. That's awesome. Well, to open that paper Bible, let's go to Philippians chapter 2. Verse 12, this is a familiar scripture verse, many of you know it, but Paul's writing to the church at Philippi and he says this, therefore, my beloved, as you have always obeyed, everyone say always obeyed, not as in my presence only, but now much more in my absence, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. For it is God who works in you both to will and to do for his good pleasure. Paul, you're contradicting yourself. 
Who's doing this work? You tell me to work out my own salvation, and then you say that it's God who works in me. That's a little confusing, right, in some, some instances, but I want us to really understand the first part of this verse when he says, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling, with fear and trembling. Listen, this is our role as Christians is to fear the Lord. You shouldn't be afraid of your neighbor. Look at your neighbor and say, I'm not scared of you. You shouldn't be afraid of your boss. You shouldn't be afraid of, uh, of, of different, like the enemy. You shouldn't be afraid of the devil, demons. You shouldn't be afraid of these things. But how many know this? We should fear God. This is what Jesus says. Jesus says this, don't fear man who can only harm your body. He says, fear the Lord who can not only harm your body, but has your soul in his hand as well. This is the reality that the Christians of this day and age, we don't fear God the way we need to fear him. We don't honor God. And he says this, work out your salvation with fear and trembling. You know, Isaiah 66, 2, the Bible says, on these will I look, those who have a poor, a humble, and contrite spirit, and those who tremble at my word. What does it mean to tremble at the word of God? It means to hold the word. Everybody got your Bible? Hold the Bible right now. Hold the word of God. And when you tremble at the, the word of God, what you're doing is you're holding the word of God as the highest thing on this earth. You're saying, God, this word is greater than my opinion. It's greater than my feelings. It's greater than my background, my ethnicity, my race, my political leanings. It's greater than a doctor report. It's greater than anything. Your word is above all. And we tremble at his word. This is what Jesus, this is what Peter said to Jesus when Jesus said, hey, are you going to leave me? And Peter says, where else shall we go? Because you have the word of life. It's what it means to tremble at the word of God. See, that's our job. And when we fear the Lord, we tremble at his word. It's God who works in you, both to will and to do. See, this is the truth, and this is what I want us to understand today, church, is that, that when we work out our salvation, it is not us working, but it's God working in us. So here's the idea that I want to share with you. If you have your phones, take a picture, write it down if you're taking notes. Here's the idea. Sanctification is God's work, but your responsibility. Sanctification is God's work in your life, but it's your responsibility. It's your responsibility as a Christian to create room in your life to allow God to do his perfect will in you. You know, before we pray, I want to I define sanctification. So if you can put that definition up there, because I know many of you have heard this. You might have been in church a little bit. You might be a little confused about what sanctification is. But this definition comes from the Lexham Survey of Theology, and it was, oh my goodness, I about fell out of my seat when I read this. It says this, sanctification is the ongoing, everybody look at your neighbor and say, you're not done. You're not done. It is the ongoing supernatural work of God. Watch this. Now, please hear me. Please hear me. Take a picture of this. Write this down. Hang it on your wall in your bathroom. Make it, on your, make it your uh, wallpaper on your phone. Read, like, really get this. It is the supernatural work of God to rescue justified sinners from the disease of sin. It is the work of God to rescue justified sinners from the disease of sin. I can't get another phone call or a text message telling me that I've 
failed. I've fallen. I've sinned. I've made a mistake. I've ruined my life. Church, my heart is broken for the justified believers who are crippled by the disease of sin in their life. And this is not me trying to put any condemnation, any shame, because a lot of times when you hear sanctification, what you hear is this. You need to do better. You need to stop sinning. You need to to stop watching that, stop drinking that, stop going here and be holy, right? But here's the idea. You don't have the ability to. It's God working in you and through you. And the truth is sanctification should not be this intimidating thing that that weighs a Christian down. Hear me. Please hear me. Sanctification is a gift from God to you so that you wouldn't be bound up in that sin anymore. I'm so, I'm so hurt by how many of God's people are struggling with sin, struggling with sin. And like I said, I don't mean any condemnation because I know a room this size, there's a, a vast majority of us that are, have addictions, that have shortcomings, that are, that are falling every single day. And my heart is not to condemn you. My heart is saying this, that sanctification is your way out. It is your gift because, guys, I know that every time you turn on that, 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 that phone or that computer to watch pornography, I know that you hate it. I know that it eats you up. I know every time you run to the bottle and you pick it up, I know that as a Christian you're not proud of that. I know that it, it, it eats you up inside. I know you hate it. I know every single time you fall down and you, you make a mistake, it, it drives you crazy. And listen, this is God's gift to you saying, I will work this thing out in you to create in you a sanctified person. It says this, and to conform them to the image of his son. Holy, Christ-like, and empowered to do good works. Come on, who wants to be sanctified in this room? Do you want to be sanctified? Man, God, would you remove all of the disease of sin out of my life? Because here's the reality, right? You might have been justified, but until you're sanctified, you're still carrying that leftover sin. Let's do this. Let's close your eyes with me and let's bow as we pray. Holy Spirit, we ask that you would come into this room right now. We thank you, Jesus, for the gift that is sanctification. We thank you that you, you looked at us and our sin and our shortcomings and our failures, and you did not leave us, Jesus, but you died on the cross for us, and you've promised us to work in our lives so that we could be free from the disease of sin. Would you work it out in us right now, God? Holy Spirit, according to your word in Ephesians 1.17, would you bring the spirit of wisdom and revelation in this room? Let us know you. Let us see you. Let us be changed by you, Jesus. Not a good song or a good message, but let us be changed by you, Jesus. Bless our time together. In your name I pray. Everyone said, amen. 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 Here's the first thing you have to understand when it comes to sanctification is you can't do it. Look at your neighbor and say, you can't. You can't do it. You cannot. It is impossible for you to sanctify yourself. 
you know, since it's been warm, springtime's coming, me and my family have been outside a lot, and Jackson, had my one-year-old son, he has discovered the trampoline. Does anybody have a trampoline in, in, their, in their house, right? So he's discovered the trampoline, and, and I have a six-year-old daughter and a soon-to-be four-year-old son in a couple weeks here, and they are just loving it, right? They go out on the trampoline, they're jumping, they're falling down, they're doing all sorts of tricks, and Jackson has just discovered what a trampoline is. And so he climbs up on the ladder and he stands on the trampoline and he's watching his brothers and sisters fly up in the air and do all sorts of crazy tricks. And it's so cute because, you know, he's trying to do that too. So he gets down really low and he's like, and nothing. And you can tell like this one-year-old get frustrated with himself. You know, he's like, he's like, why can I not? I can't jump. And then he notices how Judah, my son, his feet kind of go up when he jumps. And so what Jackson started doing is he would jump, but he would go like this. And I'm telling you, he tried for like 10, 15 minutes to get his feet off of the ground, but he could not do it. And here's the truth for us believers. You can't do it. No matter how hard you try, you will fail every single time. It is impossible for you to get up off the ground. You can pretend, you can lift your leg up and do good for a couple weeks and then a couple months and then, oh, you fall again. And, and then you, you, you lift your leg back up and you do good for a couple hours and then somebody cuts you off in traffic and you, oh, you fall again. And it's this cycle of falling and trying to jump and falling and falling and falling and, and aren't you tired of falling? The reality is this, you cannot sanctify yourself. You can't live a righteous life. You have an inability. The Bible says this, that I just read it in Psalms chapter 53 today. The Bible said, David says this, that no one is good. Not one person. No one is good. No one is righteous. A man comes to Jesus and says, good teacher, and he asks him a question, and Jesus says, no one's good but God. And here's what I need us to understand today, is that you cannot do it because you're not good. He's good. He is the only one that's good. There is a name above every name. And it's above your name, it's above my name, it's above everybody that you know, even the, even the most righteous person you know, it's above their name. Do you know what that name is? His name is Jesus. He is the only righteous one. He is the only holy one. He is the only one that walked this earth and he lived a blameless life. He lived a perfect life. He lived a holy life. There is no one greater than Jesus. You can't do it. And if you could, the Bible will say, would say this, that, oh yeah, Jesus did it, but then Elder Jeremiah did it too. So there's two holy people. There's two righteous people. It doesn't say that says there's only one found worthy. Look at what it says in Revelation chapter 5, verse 4. It says, John the Revelator is saying this. He says, so I wept much because no one was found worthy to open and read the scroll or look at it. But one of the elders said to me, do not weep. Behold, the lion of the tribe of Judah the root of David has prevailed to open the scroll and to loose its seals. Ladies and gentlemen, I'm here to encourage you today to say this. You can't do it, but he did do it. He can do it. He walked this earth blameless, righteous, holy, and he is the only good one. He is the only holy one. It's all Jesus. 
And so if we come to this understanding, we say, okay, I can't do it, so why should I even try? And my answer to that is you shouldn't try. So if you let me tinker with your theology a little bit for a few minutes, okay, I want you to understand something. Listen, the goal is not to avoid bad behavior. You hear me? The goal in a Christian's life is not to avoid bad behavior. The goal is to find Jesus. The goal is to find the only one who did avoid bad behavior because if the goal for you and for me is to avoid doing bad things, you'll mess up and fail every time. And for a lot of people, this is one of the pillars, pillars of your faith that you were brought up and told in the church, okay, you love Jesus, now stop doing this, 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 and this. And avoid bad behavior. But here's the reality. You can't do that. It's impossible for you to do that. The goal for us is to find the only one who did that. The goal for us is to say, Jesus, would you reveal yourself to me so I can see you, so I can know you. We have to find him. Because here's the reality, church. You can't do it, but he can. He can. He can. And Jesus shows us and tells us how to do it. He leads us, and, and he, he laid out this entire format for you and for me, and it's found in John chapter 16. I want you to read it with me. Jesus is speaking of the Holy Spirit, and it says this in verse 13. He says, however, when he, the Spirit of truth, has come, he will guide you into all truth. See, you can't do it, but when the Holy Spirit gets a hold of you, his job is to guide you and lead you into what you cannot do. For he will not speak on his own authority, but whatever he hears, he will speak and he will tell you things to come. Verse 14, this is one of my favorite verses. He will glorify me, for he will take of what is mine and he will declare it to you. Listen, so many of us miss out on the actual function of the Holy Spirit because we think he's here to just make us happy when we're sad. We think the Holy Spirit's here just to like help us throughout the day and like just you know, trivial things, but you're missing out on an incredible part of your faith because as a Christian, you have an ability that no one else on this planet has. I, w I really want you to hear me and, and I, I want you to understand just the beauty of what this is because the Holy Spirit has the ability to come into your heart and to give you revelation. Listen, non-believers do not have the ability to receive revelation. It is only those who have been justified by Christ that are a part of his family. Like, this is mind-blowing. You can download information, not from Google, but from the creator of the universe who reveals himself to us through revelation. That means this, that you don't need Pastor Troy to tell you who God is. You don't need a book or a podcast or, or your favorite preacher to tell you who God is. God himself shares his secrets with you. He says, let me reveal who I am. Man, when Peter declares that Jesus is the Christ, Jesus says, listen, you didn't re this wasn't revealed by flesh and blood, but the Father lifted the veil from your eyes. Peter, you saw me. This is, this is like, once you understand how valuable this is, like you'll be seeking for revelation every second of the day. Man, you mean any point in the day I can turn my eyes to Jesus and say, Holy Spirit, reveal Jesus to me. And just like a curtain being pulled back, the veils from my eyes will be pulled back so that I can see him. That I can see him. 
This is such an incredible privilege that we have, and, and this is why it's so important every single day to have Jesus be revealed to us. Remember, I said the goal is not to modify your behavior. The goal is to find Jesus, because when you find Jesus, when Jesus is, is revealed, listen, this is what happens. We have the ability to mirror him, and his righteousness becomes our righteousness. See, when we see him, we can mirror our life after him and his righteousness that he walked on this earth for 33 years, it becomes our righteousness. He shows us how to do it. It's the blueprint. It's the way. And we, become, we begin to look more like Christ every single day. You know, one of my favorite scripture verses in, in 2 Corinthians chapter 3, um, verse 18, it says that, behold, we all with unveiled face Behold the beauty of the Lord, right? So Paul's saying with unveiled face, this is the idea of revelation, that our eyes have been unveiled and we behold the beauty of the Lord. And we are being transformed, the Bible says, into the same image from glory, come on, you know it, from glory to glory, just as, watch this, just as not by my own might or power, just as my, my own ability to be good, just as my own willpower. No, the Bible says just as by the Spirit of the Lord. It's the Spirit of the Lord working in us that transforms us from glory to glory to glory. That's why as a believer you must know the Lord. You know, I've been, I've been, uh, I've been doing something recently. I'm trying to get more of the Word of God into my heart. You know, I'm trying to memorize the Word of God more, make it a part of my life. And I, I memorized this scripture verse. Pastor Clarence, you'd be so proud of me. I memorized this scripture verse. It's in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 29. You ready? You want to hear what it says? And listen, before I quote it to you, you got you to be careful because what I didn't realize is you got to be careful what you remember about the Bible because the Holy Spirit will use that against you. You got to be careful. I, was, I didn't know this. I wasn't realizing this when I did it, you know? So I, me, I, I memorized this verse, and I was like, yeah, I memorized it. It's awesome. It says this, let no corrupt word proceed out of your mouth. <laughs> but what is good for necessary edification, that it may impart grace to the hearers. You know, I thought it was something memorizing that verse until I found myself in a situation that I was allowing some nasty words to come out of my mouth. And the Lord nudged me, and the Holy Spirit came to me and said, hey, do you by chance remember what Ephesians chapter 4, verse 29 says? And I said, oh, man, Holy Spirit, you know what? It just slipped my mind. I just forgot, right? But, but here, here's how this works, right? Because Dominic, he's unholy. I, I'm, I can't do it. I can't do it by myself. So I find myself in these situations where I'm going down a path of unrighteousness. But because I've, I've, I've known the Lord in some aspects, what happens is the Holy Spirit, remember, he leads you into truth. He leads you into righteousness. And so the Holy Spirit comes and he says, hey, you have an option. You can continue to walk in your filthy righteousness or you can borrow the righteousness of God. You can borrow Jesus' righteousness because, because Jesus is the word and he didn't let any unprofitable word proceed out of his mouth. And so you can walk in his righteousness. And this is how, as a believer, we become sanctified. We reflect what we know about the Lord. It's not ours. It's not your righteousness, but we know God, and we get to borrow his righteousness and walk in him. This is why, listen to me, this is why it's so important to know the Lord, because you cannot reflect what you've never seen. You cannot mirror that which you've never seen before. 
And so if your desire is to be sanctified by the Lord, the goal is not just to do good and not mess up. The goal is to know him and, and know him and know him and know him every single day so that when you know him, you have something to reflect, that you have something to give back. You have a template. He is our blueprint, but you can't, you can't walk in the blueprint if you don't know the blueprint. Like an architect can't build a building by a blueprint he's never seen. And as Christians, we cannot live this life when we don't know the Lord. His righteousness becomes our righteousness. But we have to know him. And here's the, here's the last part I want to share with you. And this is, this is some bad news, so just hold up. But it's not too bad. But this is the part that we struggle with. You ready for it? You got to die. I know. You have to die. That's not good. <laughs> It's going to hurt. But this is the part that we get tripped up on. Because as Christians, we know the other two. We know that we can't do it. I didn't have to stand on this stage and tell you that you couldn't do it. You knew that. <laughs> I didn't have to stand on this stage and tell you that only Jesus can do it, because you knew that. But it's at this moment where we get tripped up. We get tripped up a little bit because we don't want to die. Dying's not fun. It's not comfortable. It's scary, but unless you die to yourself, you'll never live a sanctified life. This is what Galatians chapter 2, 20 says. Paul says this, I have been crucified with Christ. It's no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by faith and the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself up for me. See, when, when Paul says this, but Christ lives in me, this isn't Paul saying that if you pray hard enough, Jesus will come into your body, he'll take control of your body, and he'll, he'll be perfect. That's not what Paul's saying. Paul's saying, listen, there's not enough room for you and Christ in your body. One of them has got to go. And it's not until we lay down our life and say, Jesus, you can have it all. I'm going to lay myself down completely. I'm going to die to my flesh so that you can live in me, not by controlling me, but by showing me the way to go. And because I've died, I'm free to follow you every place. This is what Jesus says. I don't do anything unless I've seen the Father do it. I don't say anything unless I've heard the Father speak it. What was Jesus communicating to us? He was saying, listen, I have died to my own will. And if Jesus died to his own will in his own way and he laid himself down and he said, God, you lead me, you guide me, how much more do we need to be led by God? How much more do we have to die to ourselves if we want a chance at living a sanctified life? You have to lay yourself down. Can I tell you something? It is not possible to keep yourself and to live a sanctified life. It is impossible to keep yourself and to live a sanctified life. I know we got a lot of our, our DSM students here. I hope you're hearing this. And I know some of you are writing it down. That's amazing. But as you progress through high school, through college, and into your young adult years, you cannot keep an ounce of yourself and ex expect to come out of this world unscathed. You have to lay it all down. You know, A.W. Tozer, he uses this analogy. I think it's so, so incredible. But he says, if I have a cup and, and I put 100% poison in this bottle and I drink it, what's going to happen? Anybody? You're going to die, right? That's pretty straightforward. We're all okay with the logic of that. But then he goes on to say this, if I have 99% water, 
but I just have one little drop of poison, I'm still going to die. It might take longer, it might be more agonizing, but I'm going to die. And this is where so many Christians live their life. They give God 99.99%. Say, here you go, God, I'm just going to give this a little bit. And then what happens is we wonder why the enemy has a foothold in our life. And this, and, and I don't mean to take your excuse away, but here's the truth. You can't blame the enemy for what you didn't die for. Listen, don't come to me and say, Dominic, Dominic, the devil's attacking me. No, he's not. You just didn't die. The devil's not attacking you. You just haven't laid that part of your life down. The devil's not attacking you. You just have yet to surrender that aspect of your life. You're trying to have yourself and to live a sanctified life. You can't do that. It's impossible. So don't blame the enemy on what you refuse to do. You want to have it your way. You want to have your will. You don't want to die to your flesh. It's not the enemy attacking you. You got to lay that down. And I know that's hard to hear, but this is, this is ultimately should be an encouragement to you because our only goal is not to be perfect. Our only goal is to die. That's it. That's all we have to I know it's, that's a big, that's it, but, but that's all we have to do. We just have to get out of the way. We just have to lay ourselves down. And he works in us and through us. Look at what Jesus says in Matthew chapter 16. He's speaking to his disciples and he says, if anyone desires to come after me, let him deny himself. And what? And take up his cross and follow me. For whoever desires to save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. And I know it's scary. I know it's terrifying to lay yourself down. Because you know what you're saying? Is you're saying that regardless of how I feel, how I think, what I want, I trust you. I trust you, God. Like, when it's, when it's 1.30 in the morning and, and you hear the Holy Spirit say, go to bed, you have to lay yourself down and say, I really want to stay up and watch things that I shouldn't, but I'm going to lay that down and I'm going I'm to be obedient to you, God. When, when, you, when your coworker mouths off to you and you're, you're, you're ready to fire back, and you hear the Holy Spirit say, I want you to lay that down. I don't want to lay it down. Did you hear what she just said to me? She deserves a slap, right? You got to lay that down. And you have to die to every ounce of yourself. Nothing that is you, remember, nothing that is you is good. <laughs> you have to lay it down. And this is the beauty of sanctification. If you can get to this point, Christian, of laying it down, you will live a sanctified life. Because the Holy Spirit won't lead you into temptation. He leads us in righteousness for his name's sake. So all we have to do is trust him and lay ourselves down. Like imagine Abraham being asked, I want you to sacrifice your only son Isaac. Everybody in this room would be like, no way, Jose. Sorry, not happening. But Abraham understood this. If I lay it down, I can trust you. No explanation. God didn't tell him why. He didn't explain himself to him. Abraham woke up early in the morning and obeyed the Lord. We have to get to a point where we can just lay it down and say, God, I, tr I trust you. I don't get it. I mean, even this morning, I was on my way out to the car, and I got in the car, and the Lord was like, hey, I want you to go do this. And I was like, no, 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 it's okay. I'm, I'm just going to go to church. I got to go preach. I'm good. And he was like, hey, what are you preaching about again? Oh, you know, I'm preaching about dying to yourself. 
right? It's, it was so easy to kind of hold on to ourselves and be like, okay, yep, you're right, God. I got out of the car and I did what the Lord asked me to do. But, but the, this idea is this is so easy to hold on to yourself. It's so easy to grab it. But if you can get used to just saying, nope, I'm going to lay it down. I'm going to lay it down. I'm going to die. I'm going to die. I'm going to die. I promise you this. You are going to live a freed life, freed from the disease of sin, and you're not even going to try not to do anything bad. You're just going to be following him, and he's going to be leading you into righteousness. Do me a favor. Stand to your feet as we close today. I want to share this last scripture verse with you. There's so many of us, so many of us who live our life and our goal is to avoid bad behavior, but if we can adjust that, if we can find Jesus, we can die to ourselves. we can know him and allow the Holy Spirit to lead us and to guide us, what, what will happen is righteousness will be produced in your life. And here's the beautiful thing, it's not your righteousness. It's borrowed from the Lord because the Holy Spirit is leading you in his righteousness. But my heart, listen, my heart is for those in this room who are still infected with the disease of sin. Because you are here today and you're thinking to yourself, this is just going to be the way my life is. And then one day I'll go to heaven and I won't have to deal with this addiction. I'll go to heaven and I won't have to deal with this sin. I'll go to heaven and I'll finally get free from this. No, you can be free from it right now, right now today. You don't have to take that addiction out with you. You don't. You can leave it right here. But the only requirement for you is you have to die. This is what 1 Thessalonians chapter 5 says. Now may the God of peace himself sanctify you completely. Not partially, not 99, you know those, those hand sanitizer commercials? Not 99.999%. No, no, no. The God himself is going to sanctify you completely. Come on, say it completely. Completely. And may your whole spirit, soul, and body be preserved, blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. Watch this. This is the encouragement. This is what I want you to take home with you. He who calls you is faithful, who also will do it. Listen, sanctification is God's work. It's not our work, it's God's work, but it's your responsibility. So as we close today, I have, I have an altar call that I want to give you, and it's not going to be a hyper-emotional one. No one's going to pray with you. There's not going to be any altar ministers up here. But what this is going to be is it's going to be a prophetic declaration of your decision that you've made right now, right here today. So if, if you really count the cost here, okay? I don't want this to be driven by emotion or anything like that. I want you to really make a decision and say, you know what, I'm going to die. So if, if you're t here today and you say, you know what, I want to be sanctified. I want to invite you to come to the altar and die. <laughs> what an altar call is that, right? Come up here and die. But if that's you, come up here now and we're going to make a decision and declaration together that says my life is here at this altar and I'm laying it down. I'm not taking it with me. I'm not taking it with me. I'm dying to myself. I'm dying to my thoughts my dreams, my ambitions, my hopes, my insecurities. I'm dying to my own desires. Come on, as you come up here, just lay it down to him. Just tell him. No one has to lead you in a prayer. Just tell him, Jesus, you have it all. I lay it all down to you right now, Holy Spirit. 
Holy Spirit, would you forgive us right now for not listening to your still small voice? As you attempted to lead us down the paths of righteousness, we've walked the other way. We've walked the other way. We haven't listened, Holy Spirit. So we repent of that right now. We ask that you would continue to speak to our hearts. Lead us in the ways of God. His ways are higher than ours. He's, he's wiser than we are. God, Holy Spirit, would you show us Jesus and lead us down the paths of righteousness? We lay down our life. We lay down our hearts. We lay down our desires, our will, our dreams, everything, God. We lay it down. And just as Paul said that I've been crucified with Christ, right now, in this moment, we are crucified with Jesus. We're crucified with Jesus. Would you strip away, Holy Spirit, the disease of sin from our life? Would you strip away the disease of sin that is tormenting your believers, God? With no condemnation, no guilt, no shame, but would you take away and give us the gift of sanctification so that we don't have to hope to be free one day, but we can be free here on this earth. Holy Spirit, it's not our work, it's your work. We just give you the room. We just give you the room, Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit, you're not just first place in our life, you're every place. You're one, two, three, four, and five. You're every place, Holy Spirit. We give everything to you. We ask that you would work on us. Help us, Holy Spirit. In your name I pray. Come on, everybody said. So this is what I want to do. Before we leave this moment, I want everybody to just kind of look around and look at everybody up here at this altar. And we're going to hold each other accountable, okay? We're family. We don't do life alone. And next time you see me acting out of place, just say, hey, didn't you die to yourself? Remember? Remember that one Sunday? Didn't you die to yourself? I saw you. I, I swore I saw you at the altar, right? You're tripping over that, but you died, Remember? And the goal, remember, the goal is not to avoid bad behavior. If you try that, you're going to fail every time. Don't try to avoid bad behavior. Don't try to be good. You're not good. There's only one that's good. The goal is to find Jesus. Find Jesus, find Jesus, find Jesus. When you know him, you can reflect what you've seen from him. And the last thing, this is the hardest part. You can't take you with you. You got to leave you right here. He can't take you with you. You've died with Christ. Put, put us, um, Galatians chapter 2 back up for me, if you would, Jason. I want to read it one more time. I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. I want to do this. Before we leave, can we all read this together? Let's like declare this over our life. Can we? Let's go. Come on. I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself up for me. Amen. So as we leave here today, let's walk in the sanctification that Jesus paid for, the righteousness that he gave us. Let's walk in that and let the sanctification of the Lord be his gift to you. So everybody, put your hand on my heart. One, one last hand on your heart, not my heart. 
Let's, let's, one last prayer. I want to bless you. Jesus, we just bless your people right now. We thank you, Father God, that you've created a way that we can live here on this earth free from the disease of sin. I declare over every single individual that is, has been struggling, that has been, has been hurting, that has been going through difficult times with the disease of sin, I declare freedom in the name of Jesus, not by their own might or their own power, but by their ability to follow you in their life. Holy Spirit, we thank you that you lead us and guide us into good places. All we have to do is follow. All we have to do is get out of the way. So would you help us die today, Jesus, in every single day of our life? We bless you and we honor you. In your name I pray. Everyone said amen, amen. Well, Church on the North Coast, it was such an honor and privilege to be with you. Remember to live right, love everyone, and pray hard. And if you want some more time at the altar, you're more than welcome. Um, But we, we love you all very much. Have a good one.